left fielders. At LFI, you know our focus is on networking and education. Mark your calendars because we're going to have a full day of it dedicated to you, our limited partners, at the best ever conference on April 9th in Salt Lake City. Left Field Investors is opening the BEC with Passive Investing Mastery, an event focused on passive investors. This will be where insightful content meets passionate LP investors. If you enjoyed BEC last year and the meetup in left field this year, imagine them both back to back. The best ever conference isn't just any event. It's the premier conference for commercial real estate investors and operators. Your ticket to passive investing mastery includes admission to the entire best ever conference from April 9th through the 12th. Join us April 9th, where we will have a packed agenda with sessions focused on how to be a successful limited partner led by experienced LPs, top operators, and partners. Then immerse yourself in the full best ever conference where you will be surrounded by like-minded investors, operators, and industry experts for unparalleled opportunities for learning and networking. The best part, and there are so many, but the best part, you won't find a bigger discount on the regular ticket price than the one you get for being an infielder. That's more content for an exclusive lower price. Register for the event today at leftfieldinvestors.com slash BEC, and we will see you at Passive Investing Mastery presented by Left Field Investors at the BEC. Have a deal in mind and a group of investors ready to go? Use TribeVest to pull your capital together through a multi-member LLC. TribeVest has streamlined the group investment process, making it easy, quick, and safe to do business with others. Start a tribe and invite your partners to join. Then you can use the platform to collaborate with your partners, pool capital, and manage your joint investments. I'm in 12 tribes myself. It is a great way to learn from others, spread risk, and get into deals at lower minimums. Go to tribebest.com to get started today. Aspen Funds has been a consistent supporter of left field investors. You may have seen Bob Frazier on an LFI webinar or at our October meetup in the left field speaking on investable megatrends for the next decade. Whether you're an accredited investor interested in mortgage note funds with a 10-year track record or other macro-driven alternative investments such as industrial, oil and gas, multifamily or retail, the Aspen Funds team is keeping track of the economic trends and co-invests on every deal right alongside you. Meanwhile, you get to do what you love and make every moment count. Download their free economic report today at aspenfunds.us slash LFI. As far as non-accredited investors, one of our core principles in our investment club is to make it accessible to everybody, no matter what. So every deal that we propose in the club, it allows non-accredited investors, hard stop. So, you know, it, it must be inclusive for everybody for us to even propose it to our club members. And we do have plenty of accredited investors in our club as well, uh, but we also have a lot of non-accredited investors and we're there to serve them too. Hello, left fielders. Welcome to Passive Investing from Left Field Podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. Hi, this is Ryan Steig, one of the co-founders of Left Field Investors, and you are listening to Passive Investing from Left Field. I'm excited today to have Brian Davis with us. He is a real estate investor, personal finance writer, and founder of Spark Rental with over two decades in the real estate and finance industries. Along with his wife and daughter, he spends most of the year living and traveling abroad. We'll get into that. He loves showing others how they too can create their ideal lives, 
through real estate investing and lifestyle by design. He's also the host of the Live Off Rents podcast. Brian, welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Tim, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for that glowing introduction. I feel like a superstar <laughs> over here. You are a superstar. We only get the best on passive investing from left field. So we appreciate you being here, Brian. First question I always ask is, tell us your journey. How did you get into real estate? How did you be, you know, join, how did you start the community that we're going to talk about? And also you're in, um, you're, you were in Brazil and now you're somewhere else, South America, far away. So tell us that as well. Right. <laughs> uh, well, to answer that last question first, I am in Lima, Peru. As of just a couple months ago, we just moved here. Um, but yeah, we were in Brasilia, the capital of Brazil, for four years before that. Before even that, we were in Abu Dhabi, the capital of the UAE. Uh, so yeah, it's been a fun journey. Uh, my real estate investing journey has been even longer and more meandering. Um, <laughs> I fell into real estate investing totally by accident. You know, I fell into my career in general by accident, like so many of us do. I graduated college uh, you know, at 22. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. My parents suggested that I just start doing inter informational interviews with people they knew and anyone else that I knew just to get a sense for what people did with their with their careers and with their lives. Because when you grow up as a kid, you you know about like five different careers, right? You know, like, police officer and firefighter and teacher and, you know, maybe like business person, whatever that means. <laughs> right. So, you know, but you really don't have an idea about what the average person does at like 1137 on a Wednesday morning. So, uh, you know, I took their advice. I started doing informational interviews with their friends, with anyone else that I could, you know, track down and, and get a hold of. And I did one with a friend of my stepdad's who owned a, a subprime mortgage lending company, which was all the rage back in 2003 when, <laughs> when I graduated college. Yeah. And you know, so I, they hired me as an intern and I ended up just by accident filling a need that they had of doing hard money loans that he and his partner were doing on the side of their, their nationwide subprime mortgage lending business. And, you know, I kind of liked it. You know, again, this is like the early to mid aughts. People are making money hand over fist in real estate, uh, you know, by accident almost <laughs> at that yeah. point. So there was a lot of flipping activity, a lot of burr deals, you know, people buying fixer uppers and, and renovating them, uh, refinancing to keep as rentals. So I was doing those loans. I was working almost exclusively with real estate investors, watching them all make a bunch of money. You know, I, and of course, my reaction is, you know, I'm a smart guy. I can do this too, right? Like I, you know, I, I can go out and buy rental properties. And if, if I have enough of them, then maybe I won't need to work anymore. Right. You know, this is before the fire movement. So I thought I was clever coming up with this idea, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, as if I was the first person to ever come up with this idea. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it doesn't mean it was a bad idea. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. a good idea. Uh, it didn't work out that way for me. You know, I went out and I, overpaid for all these properties. I didn't know how to forecast cash flow properly. Uh, I didn't really know how to renovate these properties properly. Uh, so when 2008 hit, you know, I had bought most of those properties. I, I bought, I don't know, somewhere in the low teens, 13, 14, 15 properties uh, in like mostly 2006 to 2008. So when the crash hit, I got completely annihilated by it. I, you know, I was in way over my head. And, you know, to make matters worse, all of my work you know, for a hard money lender, you know, doing these hard money loans, that all dried up too, because no one's flipping houses anymore all of a sudden, right? No one's doing bird deals. So I had to go 
find a totally new career, which I did uh, in the online space, serving landlords and real estate investors, took a job and got to learn online marketing and you know what uh, online business is all about. Uh, and in 2016, I split off with a former colleague and we started Spark Rental. And that's a whole nother conversation, but <laughs> that's how I got into real estate in the first place. Well, that, that's that's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. And we'll get into Spark Rental as well. But I, I want to start with, so what, eight years, and, and this isn't the real estate part, but this is the life part, right? Which is is why we're all doing this. Um, three locations in eight years, three different li- languages, right? Three different parts of the world. I guess Brazil and Peru are kind of in the same area, but but why did you decide to go to Abu Dhabi and and start this international traveling living uh, thing that you guys are doing? Yeah, so I, I've always had some wanderlust. Uh, I've always been an avid traveler. My girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, um, she she saw how much I loved traveling and how you know how I was feeling that itch to to move and and see more of the world. So she was a school counselor at the time. She still is. Uh, she reached out to a person that we knew who worked for international schools. I think that person was in Shanghai at the time, and you know, asked her, you know, how do I do this? You know, how did you do it? You know, what are the, what's the process for getting hired by international schools? And she did this as kind of a surprise for me. Uh, and then when they said, you know, Brian, I've signed up for this international school recruiting agency, and in six weeks from now, we're going up to Boston for a job fair <laughs> for international schools, and let's go have an adventure and and move across the world. And I I said that's awesome, let's do it. <laughs> wow. uh, you know, I was I was still working for another online business at the time. It was 100% remote, so you know I was all for it. Uh, so that's how that first came about. You know, at that job fair, she got a series of offers from different schools. And the one that we ended up being most intrigued by was the one in Abu Dhabi. So, you know, within a day of going to this job fair, I mean, while we're at the fair, she took the job. And, you know, a few months later, we were living on the other side of the world. That, that's, that's incredible. I mean, I, I also uh, lived on the other side of the world for a little bit, but it was, it was Germany, it was Europe, it was normal. You know, I think going to these really kind of at least for Americans more exotic far flung places takes a lot of a lot of courage so how does that work with what you're doing now um that you're doing real estate is it any different than living in Columbus Ohio and and buying you know investing in real estate syndications i mean obviously peru has all the the things you need is there anything that you that you feel you don't get or anything are you also looking at international opportunities because you're more familiar with that. Can you talk a little bit about how the location independence has affected your investing? Absolutely. So I ended up getting rid of most of my rental properties when we were living in Abu Dhabi. It was just too much work. Uh, you know, even having a property manager, you still need to manage the manager. And you know, a lot of those properties were lower end rental properties, which come with a ton of headaches, you know, way more hassles than say, you know, A or even B class properties. And, uh, you know, the sad reality is that it's really hard to find good property managers who are willing to manage bad properties and, and lower end properties uh, because it's, it's less money and more work uh, for them. So good property managers tend just not to do it, right? <laughs> they, they just refuse to work in those areas. Uh, so you end up stuck with bad property managers 
And, um, you know, that all just came to a head when we were overseas. You know, when I was living in Baltimore, I was more hands-on in, in managing the, the manager and being more involved in some of the property management. But, you know, that was kind of a crutch, right? You know, the fact that I happened to live in the same city uh, and I ended up putting in all this work. Uh, so they weren't really passive investment or they weren't a passive. It wasn't passive income at that point, right? Uh, if I'm so involved. So, you know, that, yeah, again, that came to a head when we were in Abu Dhabi. And, uh, you know, I, I still loved real estate, though. I still wanted to invest in real estate. So I started looking into other ways that I could invest in real estate. Uh, eventually, I came to real estate syndications and, and you know, proper passive investments. Um, but, you know, this all kind of coincided with a meandering journey that, that we had uh, with Spark Rental. We were selling a course on real estate investing and trying to reach financial independence with real estate investments. And it was only selling okay. Uh, and we thought it was a great course. So we were trying to figure out, you know, why is it only selling okay? You know, what is it that, that people want that we're not doing? And the feedback we kept getting or the question that we kept getting from students or from would-be students who were kind of interested but on the fence is, can I just invest money with you guys? Like, you know, I don't really want a part-time job as a real estate investor and as a landlord. I want to diversify my portfolio to include real estate. But I don't want all the headaches and the hassles that come along with trying to learn how to find deals and lining up financing and hassling with contractors and tenants and property managers and all that stuff. And, you know, we kept saying no for a little while. And then we were like, well, you know, what if we did partner with a boots on the ground, you know, active real estate investor and do, you know, offered a joint investment project for some of our students so we tried that with a couple single family homes and it worked to the extent that we we earned positive returns but it didn't work in the sense of it was a lot of work and not much money for us. <laughs> right. So but there was interest in it. And you know the, so as a proof of concepts of an investment club and that kind of interest, you know that was there. So we went back to the drawing board and this was around the time that I had discovered real estate syndications. So, you know, I went to my partner and I said, hey, what if instead of active real estate investments, which you know, are just, again, way, it's too much work and not enough money. What if instead we did truly passive investments, opened it up to our students? Uh, and then, so we did that at first. We opened it just up to our, our course students. Uh, and then later, after talking to an attorney, uh, we discovered that it was legal for us to open it up to the general public. So we did. Uh, but we did a, a pilot deal. And saw how that went, you know, gauged the, the interest and, you know, how smooth the process was. It went well. So we opened up this real estate investment club and have been doing a deal, you know, at least one deal a month ever since. And when you say investment club, what, what, what is that exactly? How do people, can you just talk about the process? Because I think it's really unique. And if you can uh, also talk about the non-accredited aspect of it because that is even more unique and 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 really I, I really like that aspect of it. So if you can just kind of talk about Spark Rental, your investment club and, and what you guys do, that would be that would be great. Yeah. So you know it's funny. It seems like every sponsor out there tells you that they have an investment club and you join our investment club. Uh, it's a marketing gimmick, right? <laughs> yeah. So we have an actual investment club with members who vet deals together every month. We bring the sponsor on and we grow them, you know, in real time on, on video calls. And, uh, you know, it, it is a true club in the sense that 
my partner and I are not selling securities. We don't get a cut of any of the money that is raised or you know pooled together to invest in these syndication deals. We only make money on a flat membership fee for the club that we charge. So the way it works is our club members get an email every time we see a deal that we think is a good fit for our club members. We schedule a meeting with the sponsor, a, a video call, and bring all of our or invite all of our club members to join us on that call with the sponsor to hear about the deal, vet it together, you know, ask them hard questions. And then we open that deal up to our club members and say, anyone who wants to invest in this deal can do so with a minimum of $5,000 per person with the goal of, you know, with our, our combined resources, we hit the minimum investment of 50 grand, 75 grand, hundred grand, whatever it is for that, that syndication deal. Uh, so each person can invest with a much smaller amount. And, you know, I realize $5,000 is, is not trivial. It's not chump change, but it's also not a hundred grand, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's much easier for the average person to be able to do. And, you know, even for people with plenty of money, it's nice to be able to spread smaller amounts among a lot more deals to diversify, spread your money uh, and your risk, uh, expose yourself to different sponsors, different markets, different asset classes. Uh, and as far as non-accredited investors, one of our core principles in our investment club is to make it accessible to everybody, no matter what. So every deal that we propose in the club, it allows non-accredited investors, uh, hard stop. So, you know, it, it must be inclusive for everybody for us to even propose it to our club members. And we do have plenty of accredited investors in our club as well. Uh, but we also have a lot of non-accredited investors and we're there to serve them too. And I, I love that. As you know, um, a lot of what you do kind of is, is similar to what we're doing at Left Field Investors, where we're also, um, you know, providing some some deal flow. And we like to make sure that our non-accredited uh, members also have access to these deals. But I really like that you're just focused on, hey, anyone can join the club, but we're just going to go after those those deals that are accessible to everyone. So can you talk about how the actual, like, how do you do the minimums? You get $5,000 minimums. We do the same with through TribeVest. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that, that you do as well. But can you talk about how that works, the $5,000 minimum? And then do you get better terms or are you just trying to get to the minimum for the deal so that you can actually invest? Yeah, so when we first started, when we first opened the club, we were just trying to hit that, that minimum, right? Because we didn't have that many members. You know, as the club has grown, Obviously, the the combined amounts that we're investing in these deals has also grown. So, you know, whereas when we first started, we're trying to hit 50 grand, 75 grand, 100 grand, uh, you know, to hit that minimum. The last deal we did, we invested close to 250 grand in that, and we keep growing every month. So we're starting to get to that point where we can start thinking about negotiating better terms, you know, preferential terms, whether that's a higher uh, pref, you know, higher preferred return on the deal, you know, a better profit split on it. Uh, we're getting to that point now where we can start thinking about that and start approaching sponsors about that uh, and potentially partnering up with people like left field investors uh, or others who are doing something similar in order to hit that, you know, half a million or a million that might be required to get those those better returns for our members. Uh, so yeah, that's something that's on the table now that wasn't on the table a year ago, simply because you know our our club has grown. 
And and the, the five thousand dollar minimum, you do that through everyone invests in the same LLC. Is that through Tribevest, or you do that uh, some other way? Yeah. So we create an LLC for each deal. Uh, each member, each member who wants to participate in that deal, you, they let us know how much they want to invest. Uh, we list them as a member within the LLC, so they're a, a partial owner of the LLC. The LLC invests as a single entity, as a single non-accredited investor in the syndication deal. So the sponsor only has to deal with with one person, you know, me or, or my partner, Denny. Uh, we have already established the relationship with those sponsors. I mean, that's part of the service that we're providing in our club is we go out and we form relationships with all these sponsors, get on their email lists, um, you know, fulfill the, the requirements to uh, count as as a non-accredited investor with them, you know, someone who they have a pre-existing relationship with. So, uh, yeah, you know, each person contributes their portion, whether it's five grand, ten grand, twenty grand, you know, whatever they want to invest in that particular deal. We have used Tribevest to date as the the platform for collecting the funds and you know uploading all of the legal documents, doing votes. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if we will continue using them or not, but we have used Tribevest up to this point uh, for all of these deals just to try to maintain that transparency with all of our members, make sure everyone has access to the banking, for example, in real time. Uh, everyone has access to all of the legal documents uh, at any time uh, and can log in at any point and just see how it's performing. Yeah, that, that's excellent. We've used Tribevest as well uh, for a lot of our open tribes, and, and it certainly does help the process. Accredited investors, listen up. Are you looking to invest in a time-tested asset class with an experienced operator? Then GSPREI is here for you. GSPREI is a vertically integrated real estate investment company specializing in single-family affordable and workforce rental housing. Through their in-house construction and property management, GSPREI has been able to consistently generate high yields for their investors. Whether you're looking for predictable monthly income or long-term growth, GSPREI has fund offerings to fit your passive investing needs. To learn more about GSPREI and explore their fund offerings, visit their website at gsprei.com. That's gsprei.com. This is Zach Hapsenstall, CEO and co-founder of Rise48 Equity. At Rise48, we've completed over $1.7 billion in total transactions, including 11 successful full-cycle dispositions. If you're looking to invest with an experienced sponsor in either the Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, Texas markets, then set up a call with us today at rise48equity.com backslash invest. That's R-I-S-E 48 equity.com backslash invest. So I've seen lately that that some operators that that do the 506B non-accredited type deals, um, they well, they're supposed to require a previous uh, relationship, right? So are you finding that they're allowing that relationship to be just with you as the manager of the LLC, or are they requiring it to be for every single different individual who invests in the LLC? Because part of the confusion, part of the complication is every operator sees it differently, or let me rephrase that, every operator's attorneys view right. it differently. Yeah, so most sponsors who we've worked with they have no problem with accepting money from our LLC, having a, a previous uh, or a pre-existing relationship established with myself and my co-founder, Denny. Uh, a couple have attorneys who don't feel as comfortable with that. 
and have recommended that they form pre-existing relationships with every single member who's going to be listed on an LLC, which is it's not super practical for us as a club, uh, depending on uh, what what their requirements are for establishing a relationship, right? Um, so so far, we have only worked with sponsors who you know have no problem with establishing the relationship with Denny and myself first, um, and then accepting money from our joint LLC. Uh, yeah, you know we've we've had a you know a couple sponsors who have felt less comfortable with that. And we've, we're trying to work with them to find a way to make them feel more comfortable about it. You know, for example, we we talked to a sponsor uh, last week who they proposed coming on and speaking, giving a little presentation to our club and, uh, you know, having a, you know, filling their checkbox that way. And then welcoming on our club members, you know, as, as, you know, partial fractional owners in an LLC uh, to late to then invest with them. So yeah, it's just sponsor by sponsor. But again, most most sponsors are are fine with it. Yeah, that's good. I I I know we've talked about this that uh, you know the non accredited thing. It it, it you know kind of drives me crazy because just because you have a bunch of money, it doesn't mean you're going to be a better investor. And just because you establish a relationship with an uh, operator doesn't mean you're going to be a better investor either, especially when most of these, you know, they establish the relationship to check the box because everyone in the industry kind of thinks this is silly the way they're requiring us to do it. And hopefully changes are coming. But I want to also get into the the difficulty or the challenges of finding, it's hard to find quality operators with deals you want to invest in. That's already complicated. Now, you know, you're screening out 80% 80% or more of the operators because you're just looking for those that'll, that have 506Bs that allow non-accredited, which I admire and I really like that strategy. But how do you do it? How do you find quality operators with quality deals that fit that mold with enough, um, enough deal flow to make sure that your community gets some diversification? Um, you know, I've heard you talk on other podcasts, you diversify by you know, market, operator asset class. So how do you do all of that with this limitation that you've put on yourself? And I don't mean that in a bad way. Again, I admire that you're doing this, but it's a challenge. I know it's a challenge. So can you talk about that, how you overcome that challenge and how you find these quality operators? It is a challenge. Uh, And especially when we first started, before we really knew that many operators, uh, that was particularly a challenge because when we would ask people, you know, who who do you like in this industry? You know, who do you find the most trustworthy and reputable? A lot of the names that get rattled off right off the bat are people who only allow accredited investors, right? So, you know, some of those most famous established operators only work with accredited investors. So we've had to go in and just network the hell out of it, basically. Uh, you know, but that's that's how we've approached it is really word of mouth. We Every time we talk to a sponsor, the last question that we always ask them is, hey, who else do you like in this space, you know, in this industry? You know, who have you invested with as an LP, for example? Who have you worked with as a co-sponsor? Uh, you know, who, who have you worked with in some capacity in the past that you really like and trust uh, as an investor? And, you know, with, with a caveat that, you know, we do want to hear about the, the accredited only sponsors too, but we're particularly interested in sponsors who allow non-accredited investors. 
Uh, and that has been a great way to network with with sponsors is just word of mouth from other sponsors, uh, especially those who, uh, you know, other sponsors have invested with themselves as an LP. So that is, that's the main way that we have found sponsors. Um, and that's been pretty effective for us, but it does require work in networking, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're constantly jumping on calls with new sponsors, trying to get a sense for their, their track record, their performance. Um, and just their how they think about raising capital and how they treat their LPs, their their transparency, their communication, all that stuff. So it's work. Yeah, that's great. And so it, it's a fine line, right? The the question I'm going to ask is how do you evaluate or how do you vet a sponsor, right? That's one of the most important things. It's the thing that everybody always asks. Now you do it similar to ours. You have a community. You're vetting the sponsor for yourself, and then you're determining if you want to you know, put them in front of the community. But in the end, it's the investor who needs to vet them. And that's why we call, you know, we're trying to turn community into a verb at Left Field Investors where you community the deal, you community the operator. And that means the community works together to determine if it's, you know, something you want to move forward or not. So what are you looking at when you're trying to find sponsors? Because I think it would be easy to say, oh, you accept non-accredited, let's have you present, right? And I know that you go beyond that. So how do you vet the sponsor? What are some questions that you ask? And then how does your community add to that with their vetting once the deal is proposed? Yeah. So it's a great question. It's a complicated question with, a, with yes. a, an equally complicated answer. So, you know, the, the first, the easiest answer to that is looking at their track record, right? You know, what what have they done in the past? How How have their deals performed? How many deals have they done? How long have they been doing this? You know, we like to see investors who have been through a couple market cycles, right? Uh, you know, as as someone who was a real estate investor back in 2008, <laughs> you know, like I talked about earlier, uh, yeah. you know, I love to see real estate investors who did live through the the financial crisis and the the housing collapse in in 2008. Um, but yeah, you want to see someone who's been through you know multiple cycles. You know, who knows that real estate is not just an elevator that only goes up, right? Um, <laughs> So track record is, is probably the simplest answer to that question. Um, we also ask about uh, what kind of risks they see in the market, how they are uh, mitigating those risks. That's that's always an interesting question to to ask sponsors because you know you ask ten sponsors that question, you get ten different answers. Uh, and we we want to see how thoughtful are their, their answers to that question, uh, because there are always risks out there. And, you know, the example I give is that you know, nowadays everyone's talking about interest rate risk, right? Uh, but really, the time to have been talking about interest rate risk was two years ago when no one was talking about it. Yes. <laughs> um, but it was a very real risk. You know, interest rates aren't always low, despite what most of this century have have. have uh, has dictated. Um, so yeah, t- you know, trying to analyze their attitudes towards risk and, you know, how conservatively they approach risk. We also, we try to get a sense for how conservative their underwriting is. Uh, we like to look at some of their, their past deals and try to look at some of their underwriting assumptions. Um, you know, are they assuming a, a low exit cap rate on these deals? Are they assuming, uh, you know, rapid rent growth in that market? 
Are they doing a sensitivity analysis that shows you know how the returns will vary based on you know different exit cap rates, different rent growth, uh, and how comfortable do we feel with some of those assumptions and some of those numbers? Um, yeah, I mean, it, these are all the kinds of questions that that we ask people. Uh, in a perfect world, we would love to speak with past LPs that have invested with them. That's not always practical uh, for us to do, you know, given the number of sponsors that, that we talk to. Um, but then, you know, to your point about crowdsourcing the vetting of these these sponsors and these deals, you know, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to us to bring on the sponsor directly in front of our audience so that everyone is participating in this together. You know, it's not us. We never want to be in the position where people think that we're vetting deals or vetting sponsors for them. Even though, you know, we, we try to assist as much as we can with that. Uh, we, we don't want to be <laughs> responsible for that. Right. Right. Um, but that's how we end up having great conversations as a community. Right. You know, a lot of times our community members will ask questions that didn't occur to us to ask. Uh, or they might have specialized knowledge about either the market or the type of investment that we don't have. You know, we had a, a a deal a few months back that was outside of, I think it was Dallas. And, you know, I've, I don't know anything about the Dallas market. I've never been there. I've never lived there. Uh, but one of our community members lives five minutes down the road from the the building, the, the property that was a multifamily property where we were considering investing. So she was able to tell us firsthand you know, I know this property. I drive past it, you know, several times a week. Uh, I know that there is a lot of demand for, you know, higher end rental housing in this this suburb, uh, which is what this property was offering. And you know, she basically said, "This is a good deal. Let's do it," uh, based yeah. on her personal knowledge of that neighborhood, uh, which wow. you know, I never would have known that, <laughs> you know, if it, right. if it were just me investing by myself. So, yeah, the community aspect is huge. Yeah, and that that's the power of community right now you have a bunch of people looking at it and you know that's awesome now you have more confidence and and then you could it could also go the other way where where somebody says oh man you don't want anything to do with that and that's you know saving you from a loss potentially is is also positive so the power of the community is is really key for for what you're doing and and for what we're doing at, at left field investors as well so when you're presenting these sponsors then how does the evaluation of the deal happen inside the the club? Are our members like you you mentioned they were asking questions like like that, but are they also digging into the financials? Are you guys all talking about that? Do you have the the presenter you know, the sponsor present the deal and then you guys talk separately later. You know, we have some of our conversations in the forum. I'm just trying to get a feel for how club members, how active they are in their passive investing before you sign on to a deal. Yeah, so the way that works in our club is we'll schedule a meeting with the sponsor. We'll send out an email to all of our club members with the investment summary deck. And if there's a video like a webinar presenting the deal, we send that out too. Um, if we have access to other information like the sponsor's current track record, we send that out. So we try to give them as much information as possible before the meeting with the sponsor. So they do have access to you know any any underwriting information that's in the the summary deck the investment deck they have that before the meeting with the sponsor uh in the meeting with the sponsor it's more informal you know we're not asking them to deliver the same webinar that they probably already recorded and and sent out to us uh it's more of a q and a so we usually have them give like a 
a five minute overview of the deal, just explaining what it is, what they like about it. Um, and then we open it up to the the group to ask the sponsor questions directly. You know, I always go into these meetings with, you know, 10, 15 questions of my own um, to either help spur conversation or, or if, you know, if the questions dry up to, to step in and, uh, and keep asking questions and try to get to the heart of whether it's a good deal. Uh, and then once the sponsor gets off of the call, then the rest of us stay on the call and keep uh, discussing the deal, you know, talking about the pros and cons, the risks and rewards, uh, how comfortable we feel with it. Uh, and then we give everyone a, a deadline. You know, please let us know by this date if you want to proceed and invest in this deal together. Uh, and that's how it works. That's great. And so what, you know, what asset classes are you looking for or are your community interested in now? You know, we're in uncertain economic times, I think, is the, is the big keyword here, right? That interest rates have risen very far, very fast, unexpectedly. Insurance rates are pretty high. There's just a lot of uncertainty in the economy. So are there any asset classes that you and or your community are thinking, hey, man, if we can just find a quality operator that is that accepts non-accredited in this asset class or in this market, is there any ideas on that? Yeah, I mean, a core value of our club is diversification. So we want to be proposing deals in our club in as many different asset classes as possible and as many different markets as possible and with as many different sponsors as possible. So, you know, multifamily is kind of the bread and butter of real estate syndication deals, as you know. Um, but, you know, we've done deals with, with industrial real estate. We've done deals with retail properties, with mobile home parks. Right now, we are evaluating a deal. We just proposed a deal yesterday. It's a self-storage deal. Um, it's an expansion project where the, the sponsor, they own two facilities already and they're they're adding, they're building new units on those those properties. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to just provide as much, as many different types of deals as we can, knowing that our club members each have different goals and different uh, likes, you know, that they want to uh, invest in. So we want to try to make it make as many different types of deals as possible available to our members. You know, to I realized that was a little bit of a wishy-washy answer. Um, you know, I, I've been interested in self-storage for a little while, although I worry that there was a little bit too much of a, a spike in the pandemic, and you know, too many people got into it. Maybe there was too much construction. Um, so, but I like the idea of self-storage as a recession-resilient asset class. But I think the jury's still out on you know what kind of correction we might see in that market. Um, mobile home parks tend to do well in most economies. Um, so, you know, is there a specific type of property that I am super jazzed about at this exact moment? Not necessarily. Uh, I want to see deals that are just conservatively underwritten, you know, low low interest rate debt, low LTV loans. Um, we'd like to see, you know, deals that are cash flowing well uh, already and will start paying distributions very, very soon. Uh, just makes everyone feel a little bit more comfortable with the, uh, with, with the risk on that even though I certainly understand that with projects like new construction, you know, you're not going to see distributions for a few years. Um, right. So. 
I don't know if that answers no, your I mean, question, but it, it <laughs> does. It does. It, it it's a difficult question for someone like you and and like me who want to diversify so much by asset class that yeah maybe you know I, I love self storage but you know I, I want to make sure I'm diversified so I can't really answer that question in a way that makes sense so yeah I I totally get it so you know we haven't really talked about this yet and and we're we're uh, coming up on time but I do want to touch on kind of the lifestyle that you've. Uh, chosen, you know, you've designed this lifestyle that fits your family's needs and, and what you guys want to do and what you're available to do or to be able to do. So just talk a little bit about the advantages of real estate, specifically investing in these syndications for real estate and how that allows you, you know, you need financial freedom for that to, to do the things that you want to do. So can you just talk about how real estate has allowed you, and I think it's part of it, has allowed some of this, um, the lifestyle that you have and, and designing a lifestyle based on what you want to do and making sure your finances allow you to do that. Does that make sense what I'm asking? It does. And there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a virtuous cycle with that where you know, I have been able to take more risks both in my career and in my investments because of what my wife does work-wise. So, you know, as a school counselor, she does not have a high salary, but working for international schools, she gets amazing benefits. We, we get free housing. We get paid flights home to the U.S. every year. We get full health coverage for our entire family. We get full tuition for our daughter at some of the best schools in the world. So we aim to live entirely on my wife's income and benefits and to save and invest all of my income. So, that frees me to pursue a career, you know, with no no floor, right? There's no income floor with with owning yeah. your own business, um, but there's no ceiling either. So my wife has a, a career with a, a a solid floor, but a, a relatively low ceiling. I I have that frees me up to have a career with no floor, but an unlimited ceiling. So that's freed me up to take some risks, you know, starting an online business, investing in real estate syndications, investing in real estate crowdfunding investments. Uh, and, you know, it has living overseas had, has made me drawn towards passive real estate investments like syndications, like crowdfunding. Um, you know, and maybe if I were living in the US, maybe I never would have been pushed to learn more about these sorts of passive real estate investments. Maybe I would have stuck with rental properties, right? Uh, even though yeah, I didn't love all the all the work involved and you know the headaches and hassles of dealing with contractors and tenants and city inspectors and all that stuff, uh, so being overseas has helped in many ways. One of those just being motivating me to branch away from what I knew and into more passive forms of investment. Um, but we also we would never be able to live the lifestyle that we want to live on just my wife's income if we were living in the U.S. But we can live a, a pretty comfortable lifestyle living on just her income and benefits living overseas. Uh, so there's this virtual cycle there. Uh, and you know because we can invest in some of those, uh, those investments, we earn the higher returns you know, on these real estate syndications. I mean, I have almost no bonds in my investment portfolio because I have been able to invest in real estate as a replacement for bonds. Uh, you know, and if we had a, a, a certified financial planner on here, you know, they might scoff at that and say, oh, well, you know, that, that's, that's high risk. Uh, but I mean, I would argue that 
you know, bonds have their own set of risks, right? I mean, they they have inflation risk, which real estate doesn't really have. Um, you know, bonds have their own interest rate risk. Uh, you know, if, if interest rates go up, your the value of your existing bonds drop. Uh, but real estate does serve a lot of those same roles in your portfolio as bonds, diversification from the stock market, you know, ongoing passive income. So, you know, it has enabled us to take some of those risks and then enjoy the rewards of those higher risks. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm trying to more and more step back and say, yeah, let's enjoy the rewards because we're all working really hard. And, you know, if you structure everything correctly, you want to be able to enjoy the rewards as you go, not just store it all up at the end, which I think a lot of people that are just in the Wall Street um, mentality and what we call right field, um, they're just saying, I just got to hold on to retirement and then everything will be great. Well, you got a whole life to live to get there. So I, I love I love what you're doing and I love how you explained it. Last question I always ask is, what is a great podcast that you li- listen to? You cannot use Live Off Rent's podcast because that's already going to be in the show notes. Um, so give us something else that, that you like to listen to. All right. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a couple of different types. So, as a business podcast, and particularly an online business podcast, check out the Mind Your Business podcast with James Wedmore. Uh, for any online business owners out there, entrepreneurs, for real estate investing podcasts, check out the Conscious Investor with Julie Holly, or How to Scale Commercial Real Estate with Sam Wilson. Those are both great podcasts for real estate investors. Uh, and for political podcasts, I like Left, Right, and Center by KCRW, uh, which is an NPR uh, channel. Uh, but you know they have a, a center and they have someone representing the right and they have someone representing the left and you have a you know a, a thought provoking uh, you know conversation each week from across the political spectrum which is which is, we all need more of that right uh, and less yeah. just yeah. you know the the talking points and and you know sitting in your own echo chamber and having your own beliefs just you know fed back to you. Yeah. Hey, th- those are those are great recommendations. Thank you. I'm definitely going to check a few of those out. Um, last last thing is if listeners want to get in touch with you, learn more about Spark Rental, what's the best way to do that? Sure. So, you know, obviously you can come to our website, sparkrental.com. Uh, you'll see our co-investing club right there. And we also have a ton of other free resources like real estate investing calculators and interactive maps across the country. Uh, you can reach out to me personally over email. It's just brian at sparkrental.com. You can connect with us on social media. We have a, a huge Facebook group with like 46,000 real estate investors in there. Uh, we're very active on social. Um, so yeah, reach out anytime. We, you know, I'm, I'm here. I, you know, we, it's not like I have a VA answering my emails. You know, reach out and, and say hi. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Brian. Um, we're really excited about, you know, kind of getting to know you guys a little bit better. And and we talked about this left field investors and spark rental. We're not, we're not competitors. We're going to work together to help all LPs be better investors. And however we can work together to do that. I know you're committed to it. And so, so is our team. So we thank you for that. And thank you for being on the podcast. Tim, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Excellent. Thank you. This is Chad Ackerman, the host of the LFI Spotlight podcast. As part of our growth here at Left Field Investors, the LFI Spotlight is moving to its own podcast feed. So if you'd like to continue to hear stories, tips, and receive advice, be sure to subscribe to the LFI Spotlight podcast today. We'll see you in the spotlight. There was a lot of good stuff in that episode with Brian. Really appreciate him coming on. And, and we are trying to work more with Spark Rentals because we have the same mission, which is to educate, provide a network, and provide deal flow for LP investors. They concentrate a little bit more on non-accredited 
we we try to concentrate on everybody, but sometimes um, that you know having a focus is is good, and that that's what they have. So he, you know, Brian was talking about how he got into real estate kind of by accident. Uh, that's almost everybody's story, it seems like. And then just the living overseas and and what real estate allows you to do. I know he was doing it with his online business, um, but that was also real estate related. But it's just such an easy way to be able to live your life and have real estate support it. And you know, he said when he was an active real estate investor, one of the, it really hit me, he said, it's hard to find good property managers for bad properties. And boy, did I learn that lesson when I was in my active investing world. So that's a really great nugget for any of the active investors out there. Um, core principle of, of Spark is, is they, they want the investments to be accessible to everybody. And that's why they focus on non-accredited, which I just think, I think that's fantastic. And that's really one of the reasons that LFI is, is so interested in, in working together with them is because they're really focused on on that part of the community. And, and we have a lot of non-accredited investors and we want to serve them properly. So we're going to work with uh, Spark on that. And then a couple of things he said when he's uh, talking to uh, GPs and they're trying to find these non-accredited operators and deals because it's hard. We, we, we spend a lot of time looking for that ourselves. They ask the GPs who other good GPs are. And it sounds logical, but sometimes you're afraid to ask because well, they, they might be competitors, but what I've found in real estate, although it's a very competitive place, you have people willing to work together, right? Spark and LFI, we could just as easy be, easily be competitors, but we've decided, no, we want to be partners. And a lot of the operators are the same way. So ask them, who are they investing with? Who do they see that's good in the market? They, they know the market better than anyone, and they, they should be willing to uh, share that with you. And another thing I like, Brian said, the time to talk about interest rates was a couple of years ago, right? Of course, we can still talk about them and figure out what's happening. But man, if we were having the same discussions now that we were a couple of years ago, that would have been helpful. Now, you're in a different mindset then. And you think, well, interest rates can never go up that far that fast. But hey, they did. So we should have been talking about it. And lastly, you know, talking about lifestyle by design and how he, he hasn't really figured out. And I really like his strategy where his wife kind of anchors the basic income that they need with her job, with the benefits and supports that international lifestyle. And that allows the other spouse, which is Brian in this case, to really take some risk where he otherwise might not. Now, I would argue that real estate is probably less risky than throw it in the stock market anyway, but that's my personal opinion. Um, but the way that he set it up is so that they always have that floor, that base is, is, is covered, and then everything he does is gravy. And that's a great way to set it up. It's a great way to use real estate. It's a great way to figure out your financial freedom. Now, everybody's gonna do that a little bit differently, but I was just intrigued by how he did it. So great uh, talking to Brian, really interested to see how the partnerships that we're working on and how we're gonna help each other, left field investors and spark rental moving forward. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's all we have for this time. We'll catch you next time in the left field. Thanks for hanging out in the left field with us today. If you are interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestor.com and click the subscribe button to join our community. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to the show on your podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you really enjoyed the show, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast would be appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. 
This show was copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.